a big challenge, especially as an entrepreneur and also an entrepreneurial company, you see so many opportunities popping up left and right and car rental and I don't know, bike subscriptions and you can do so many things. But I think one of the key challenges is to really stay focused. Welcome to Subscriptions Scaled, sponsored by Rebar Technology. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders in the subscription space, share their best tips and stories, and learn how you can up-level your subscription business today. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Subscription Scaled. I'm your host, Nick Frederick. With me today is Max Joseph Meyer, who is the CEO and co-founder of Finn. Max Joseph, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Nick, for having me. Excited to dive into the world of car subscriptions today, and I'm sure you have a whole lot to say about it, but why don't we start at the beginning? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to start Finn. Sure. So first of all, thank you very much for having me, and yeah, happy to share a quick intro about myself. So second time entrepreneur, so the first company I started was a company called Stylite, a search engine for fashion which I started in 2008 and built for eight years. In 2016, when we sold the company, so it was an e-commerce company. After that, I was an angel investor, but I actually all the time I looked for the next idea to pursue, for the next venture to start. And this time I wanted to stay in the field of e-commerce, um, but I also wanted to yeah, really build something that can grow really large and meaningful and impactful. You know, you only live once. I want to do something that can become truly a mass market phenomenon build something that can truly capture an entire category, be an innovator, recurring revenues I found interesting. So I looked for a while, but then I came across uh, car subscriptions and I found it to be truly fascinating, both from a consumer point of view, buying, leasing, financing your car has not really changed for decades, but also from a business point of view as the largest retail market in the world, cars still has the lowest e-commerce penetration rate of all markets, which I found fascinating. And despite not having a clue about the car industry, yeah, we started it in 2019 and fast forward today, we are the leading car subscription platform in Germany and also just launched in the US earlier this year and yeah, have a fantastic team. Awesome. So when you're looking for your next idea, what specific about car subscriptions, like what were the things that stuck out to you? Low penetration, obviously a lot of opportunity, but what were the other things about it that you thought, yeah, this is something I want to get into? So... How I really came across it was that I looked at what are the typical subscriptions people have and I just went down from top to bottom. And when you really think about it, like the number one subscription, like and how much do people pay for it? And number one typically is your house or your apartment. And number two, maybe it's your health insurance. But typically the car comes next, actually. So it's, it's really one of the largest recurring cost items. And at the same time, it really has not changed in decades for most people. So most people still go to a car dealership around the corner, and then it takes a few hours to find the right car, and then maybe to also negotiate a little, and then go to an insurance company and to a bank and do all the registration stuff and maintenance and taking care of all the things yourself. And I found that just, um, yeah, a beautiful idea to bring that experience online. Do you think because of the changing consumers and millennials and youngers coming up to driving age and their expectations around those kind of experiences being different than older generations who were built on buying a car and buying a home and owning things, do you think that is one of the things that is making this more feasible now than maybe it was even a few years ago? 
Absolutely. So this is definitely a trend that is, I think, yeah, supercharging our growth. So our core target group are families in their 30s and 40s. We typically describe them as former hipsters living in the inner parts of large cities, such as, I don't know, New York, East Village. And then in their early 30s, yeah, when they grow up, so to say, they start raising a family, move out to Long Island or whatnot, and then they yeah, find out that they need a car like they need a house. And these target groups, like in the 30s and 40s, by the way, millennials, so millennials are also much older now, in their 30s, early 40s, they're so used to purchase everything online, they really seek an online alternative and then find Finn. So walk us through the experience for a potential customer. They're coming, do they start with a website or do they download the mobile app? And then how do you take them through the experience of subscribing and getting a car? So really our aspiration was that it is like subscribing to a car is as easy as buying a pair of shoes online. And I think we're, we came very close. So you can go on Finn and you will find a true like e-commerce look and feel like there are, um, there's a broad range of pre-configured car. Cars in Germany, we are currently, I think, have like 20 brands, um, many, many models online in the US. It's still early days, so there are currently only like, I think, 10 models or so, but it will grow over time a lot. And you can choose one of the cars. Then, yeah, the checkout actually is really like buying something on Amazon plus uploading your driver's license. So it's really as simple as that. Um, so there's no, no surprises. So what's all included in the subscription itself? I mean, you're covering up probably maintenance, insurance, those types of things, but for the consumer, what other expenses would they have? So the only expense you really have is charging or fueling your car. So it's, it's gasoline or electricity and that's it. So everything else is included in our monthly rate. So there is also no down payment and there's no deposit and everything else is included. So car is obviously included, but also insurance, maintenance, delivery. So all cars we deliver to your doorstep. And yeah, and there's no extra cost for it. That's also included in your monthly rate. So what are the other terms of a subscription? Do they need to, is there a minimum amount of time and how many times can they swap cars? And what does it look like in the end when they're done with the subscription? So our subscriptions in the US currently are either six or 12 months, um, like with a six or 12 months term. So, and that's really a fixed term. So of course, after the six or 12 months, you can then roll over in a new car. You can prolong your subscription. However, um, we are really not so much in the business of like swapping your car every week. And that's really what, what I would call rental, really between rental and leasing with our short term subscriptions. So at the end of the term, do they automatically renew? Do they have to tell you I'm returning the car or just roll over into the next one? I mean, what does that look like? And what are you seeing in terms of, are they rolling over or are they swapping out? What's happening at the end of those terms? So really the vast majority of users um, yeah, retaining. Um, typically we exchange the car after 12 months. So typically users get a new car. Yeah, so they don't have to. It's also no um, auto renew or so, like no automatic renew. Um, but we, of course, we always hope for every customer that customers renew and we offer our customers a few months already. We um, start reaching out to them, uh, start to offer them similar cars or uh, maybe a different car. Um, so we, of course, try to keep every customer. So I find it interesting because a lot of the companies that I interview on this podcast are lower price point subscription services, right? few dollars a month up to 20, 30, 40, $50 a month, but not much more than that. So it's more about volume. 
seems like with your business and the price point that we're talking about here, there's a lot of interaction back and forth with a customer. So how much have you, I mean, you got a great e-commerce website and you talked about taking them through that experience, but then how much of it is done delivered digitally in terms of the experience and how much do you guys have to be kind of hands-on to walk them through it? So if you do not like to talk to someone, you really do not need to talk to someone. So you can do the, 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 the entire process, both like the first subscription, but also then prolonging your subscription entirely digital. So many users the first time come through our website, actually, but then as soon um, as they uh, signed up for their first subscription, we of course also try um, to let our users um, also download our apps, um, either like Android or iOS, there are some extra features. And with that app, of course, it's even easier. So once the data is in, it's almost like a one-click renewal. So it's even e like the second subscription is even easier than the first subscription. And it's really a pure digital process. What's also cool is that, of course, we have like one hotline. And with that one hotline, you can reach us for whatever question or problem or challenge you can possibly have around your car. And so whether there is yeah, a case of maintenance or where there is an accident or whether you want to prolong or whether you want to change your credit card, there's always one hotline that you can reach out to. So again, talking about different products and that are easier to get set up from a business perspective, like to set up their product and service and how everything's going to work. When these days with the tools that are available, you could practically set up a subscription service in a matter of a day or two, if you really wanted to. It seems like with what you're talking about here, the fleet of cars, the customer service, the maintenance and the regions that you're operating in, how long did it take you from your idea to actually being able to go into market? So we started really working on Finn in April 2019. I think the first car was on the street in October, I think October, November of the same year. Um, more or less a similar time in the US, um, I think even a little bit longer, uh, maybe. So. I fully agree. So car subscriptions from the outside, um, they look almost like cute, but behind the scenes, it's quite a complex beast. So yeah. really building the technology platform and we have actually integrated more than 200 service providers. So it ranges from all the obvious like marketing and e-commerce tools you have to integrate, but also damage service providers and maintenance service providers and insurance companies. So we work together with Liberty Mutual, for example, in the US and over to the banking, like to the fleet financing part. That's a big part, actually, also very, very tough one. So we raised the 500 million euros ABS facility for Germany, $200 million for the US. Insane numbers. And it was also quite a hassle to get these facilities. Then you need to all have all these OEM partnerships. So it's actually a lot of work and it's only possible due to our fantastic team. I would have never thought you could stand up something like that in six months or less than a year even to go from this idea to actually having cars on the street. That's what a feat. I mean, what were some of your biggest obstacles? So definitely since the beginning, it was always like the part of actually getting supply, like actually getting cars. And so that's one big part because you cannot just go around the corner and buy a few cars because that would not scale. You would not get the right price point and then investors would look at it. Your profitability would look weak. You would not like, I always describe Finn as kind of a chain of very large chicken egg problems. So one of the first really large chicken problems was that we wanted to buy cars for a good price, but to buy cars for a good price, you need to buy a lot of them. And for that, you need to have a lot of money. And the first batch of cars, and it was um, in the seven figures, uh, Euro figures, when we ordered that, we didn't exactly know how and if we can finance it, but we, we had to start somewhere. So we started ordering the first 
batch of vehicles and then went to the bank and then went to equity investors to, and told them, look, we have ordered a batch of cars and it's great unit economics. And then we went to a bank and told them, look, we have the cars and we have the equity. And so that was how we were able to start that uh, wheel, um, so to say. So how were you convincing investors and banks in particular, who tend to be pretty risk averse, that an industry that's very unproven at this point was a good investment? So I think one major piece to our story is that our first larger equity fundraising, so our seed round of um, 8.8 million euros in November 2019, was um, made by an investor um, who I knew really, really well from our first company. Uh, so, from my first, so he was first investor with, um, with my first company. It was a successful exit for him. Um, so I think he, like, he placed his bet also a little on a co-founding team. And that was definitely a very, very important piece. Um, I think as a first-time entrepreneur, I think it's, it would have been even harder, probably. I think it's really hard, yeah. Well, you're not the first car subscription company. I mean, the manufacturers have, are, have tried this. Some have tried and failed or shut it down. Even the rental car companies, Hertz and Enterprise and the like, are kind of dabbling in this idea of subscription. I mean, what do you think is different about your offering and what advantages do you have over what they're doing? Because both of those have some, they've got a fleet kind of built in on either side. They have some a leg up in some respects. I think to sum it up in one word, it's focus. So we literally wake up and having one thing in mind and we go to bed having one thing in mind. And it's car subscriptions, at least professionally. So that's all we do all day long. Almost 300 people now focusing really on one thing only. Also, we as a brand focus only on car subscriptions all day long in every ad and everything we do. I also have the very strong belief and confident that the largest car subscription platforms will be provided by, will be run by companies that do only this one thing. And it can become, I think, quite large. And why is that? Because it's quite complex beast. Our, for example, our operations are entirely tailor-made for that use case of 12 months, six months subscriptions. For example, when we buy cars, they come directly out of the factories and are being then sent to our partner compounds. And from these partner compounds, we then send our vehicles directly um, to our customers. So it's a hyper-efficient process that is much, much different than when you, for example, compare that process to how traditional rental car companies work with these hundreds, if not thousands of rental car stations um, with thousands of customer care people. In our case, it's like fully digital. It's like really a wholesale process versus their process, which is much, much more costly. And that's why rental car, and when you ask me why have they failed, I think one big piece to it is price. So when you look at first, like the first wave of car subscription services from rental car companies, from OEMs, they all focused on that super flexible part and like swapping every weekend and so on. But then the subscription costs you two, three, four thousand dollars a month, and people don't want to spend that much money on a car. Right, right. Well, do you feel like you've got an obstacle in the market just in terms of education? Because the average consumer thinks buy or lease; those are the only two constructs that they know. And you say car subscription, I think a lot of people just gravitate towards: is that a lease that includes maintenance and and insurance, or is there more to it? So. Do you see that as an obstacle and how are you overcoming it? Well, we see it as an opportunity, of course. Of course, I have to say it, but it's a matter of fact that when we started in Germany in 2019, 
car subscription was a bigger thing. In Germany, it's called Auto-Abo. It was a bigger thing than car subscription is today in the U.S. So especially in the northeast part of the U.S., where we are currently active, when we talk to our customers or when we talk to candidates, no one has ever heard about car subscriptions. And that will go on for a while. So we are really probably will maybe also talk about a company called Fair.com. So it was one of the car subscription pioneers out of L.A. I think in that part of U.S., uh, car subscription is more or less a little bit known. In all other parts of the U.S., it's in completely unknown. But we see it as an opportunity because, yeah, typically that one, that first company who really focuses on owns on a new category and sometimes has the opportunity to become also really the synonym for the category. So, for example, Airbnb, you rent an Airbnb. And there are other examples. That's exactly what excites us as a team and that we really have the opportunity here to build the category. But that's a lot of work and a lot of educating, but also then have the opportunity to maybe also lead the category. So in terms of your brand then, because you're trying to build this awareness and become the kind of the de facto people say Finn and they automatically think car subscription, are you having to spend a lot on advertising? And how are you reaching customers? How are you finding these new subscribers? So it's, I think, no big surprises there. So it's mostly Google and Facebook uh, right now, um, Meta. So it's also including like Instagram, for example. What we have seen in Germany um, is that, however, the share of paid traffic, paid users, so users that we acquired for our subscriptions that came through a paid channel, such as Google and Facebook, um, declined over time uh, dramatically. So right now, less than 50 or percent come of our users in Germany come through a paid channel, more than 50% come through an organic channel. So through word of mouth or through referral. And why is that? So because when you subscribe to a Finn car and that car gets delivered to your doorstep within a few days and you can drive it and it's so extremely easy, that is such a radical new experience. People talk about it. So the next time you have like, you go like for dinner or drinks, it's something like when you buy another pair of shoes, you don't tell that your friends, but if you have subscribed to a new car, that is something you talk about. And that's why we see that huge inbound and pull from customers. So right now in that journey, it's probably more important than ever that those experiences, those customer experiences are as smooth and as enjoyable as you can possibly make it, right? If that referral business and them telling their friends and family about how great this experience was that I had with this new company called Finn and telling people about it and being your evangelizing the brand is critically important, right? Because if, if it's not a great experience, they're not going to talk about it. Or actually, they might do worse. They might damage it. Absolutely. So customer experience is, of course, key. Um, so we are right now at our um, NPS that typically hovers between 60 and 70. So these are really, yeah, super, super strong numbers. Also, Trustpilot is at 4.6. So, and there you also see more and more US reviews, which I think are super cool. They also see some differences. So they're really, so while Germans typically describe their user experience very rationally, uh, people from the US, um, I really love this, um, describe their experience more, much more emotional and enthusiastically. Um, these, they're really positive reviews. Of course, when you also look at the reviews, we don't get it right all the time. So sometimes, course delivered also a car in the wrong color we delivered a car that then two days broke down and so two days later broke down so we're talking about physical assets so it's cannot go as smooth as a i don't know a social media platform all the time and so things go wrong but we try and work very hard that things go typically most of the time uh, right 
Well, speaking of things going wrong, well, in terms of timing, you started this company 2019, got up towards the end of the year, and then 2020, a global pandemic happens. What did that do to your business? So when you think about it, the first year 2020 was COVID. That, of course, was the first crisis we had to master. So until before COVID hit, we were handing over every car. It actually was one of our employees just in front of our office. And we wanted to rent a large rental station and to also do the handovers there because we thought, okay, that's such a key experience. We have to do it ourselves. But then COVID hit and renting something didn't sound like a good idea anymore. So we switched to a full, like a delivery only concept. To be honest, we were really nervous because it's a third party and they're delivering our cars to the customers and so on. But it worked out just fine. So they're doing a super good job. So it's a marketplace for drivers. This something very similar exists in US and ever since, yeah, we're doing only deliveries and that works fine. And so, and yeah, of course, due to e-commerce, due to COVID, e-commerce um, more or less was boosted. So that like demand wise, and it was really the early days, um, demand wise, of course, it was rather boost than a, um, yeah, than a bad. Okay. So it was still a boost. I wondered if people traveling less because there were fewer places to go might have negatively impacted, but I guess the fact that you didn't weren't asking your customers to come to some sort of physical location, you were dropping off to them actually overcame that. Exactly. It's always important to remember like how super large this market is. So there are 500 million cars in uh, Europe and US and currently, so this year we're targeting at around 25,000 uh, subscriptions by the end of this year, 21,000 in Germany, 4,000 US. So we are really a drop in the ocean. And that's also, that's why like really larger market trends are not affecting us that much. Do you think the manufacturers themselves, Ford, Volvo, Porsche have all kind of experimented with this in various ways and are continuing to offer. Do you think they see the growth of subscriptions in general, or do you think they see what you're doing as a threat? I guess is my, really my question to their sales. So I think OEMs see it really as an opportunity to get a more direct connection to their younger customers. So most of the OEMs really kind of struggle to attract younger target demographics. And I think like an online car subscription is just the right tool to get um, yeah, these young target demographics back and to really um, yeah, access very, very young customers. Well, for those, let's just say Volvo, who has a car subscription. So they're going directly, direct to consumer, trying to have that direct engagement relationship versus going through or, or selling to a service like yours. Do you think they see that as competition or they're just happy to sell cars? So when I look in the future of how, like of car e-commerce, I strongly believe that every OEM will offer its own subscribe, lease, finance, or buy on their own website. At the same time, I also strongly believe in, for example, look at every other industry, like a Nike.com. Of course, they sell their shoes also on Nike.com, but they sell actually much more volume on Amazon. So there's just a natural pull towards a multi-brand platform where users and in our case, also companies uh, can search and browse for cars across most or all of the brands. And there's also that focus thing that, that we've just focused on that all day long and just therefore create a lot of awareness and demand. And typically, like taking maybe the past 18 months away when there was that large supply crisis, which was, by the way, the second crisis we had to overcome after the COVID crisis, and typically not in the past 18 months, supply was kind of like in constraint. Typically in the car industry, demand is the constraint. 
So, and uh, use OEMs already, like most OEMs are working with us, we have more than 30 brands in our fleet. Number one reason is really a large source of demand of very predictable, also with very young customers. So what other obstacles as you guys have grown? Clearly there was success in Germany that justified coming over here into the U.S. What are your future plans? Are you continue to expand geographic markets in the U.S. and still focus on U.S. and Germany, go into other global markets? I mean, where do you see this headed? So we see us at the very, very beginning of our journey. We see a huge, huge opportunity to really grow into hundreds of thousands of subscriptions in the next few years. It almost sounds boring, but I think really a big challenge, especially as an entrepreneur and also an entrepreneurial company, you see so many opportunities popping up left and right and car rental and, I don't know, bike subscriptions, and you can do so many things. But I think one of the key challenges is to really stay focused. And we will keep our focus. We are already in two super large markets in Germany and US. We are currently focusing solely on these two markets and we will for quite a while and really want to build the most popular car subscription platform in these two markets. And that's all we do right now. It's our entire focus. And still, I think most people do not even know what a car subscription is. So there's a lot of work for us. Yeah, well, it's been fascinating to hear about how you guys are building this up. And as I kind of suspected, what a big feat to stand up a subscription service like this. I mean, like I said, there's easy subscriptions to start up and then there's hard subscription businesses to start up. And this is definitely in the latter. So congratulations just on getting to this point and having 25,000 subscriptions. I mean, that in and of itself is amazing. But for any of the listeners who want to learn more about Finn or kind of learn more about auto subscriptions, where can they go? So, yeah, you can, of course, go check us out on our website, uh, www.fin.auto. Um, you can also, of course, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram. And also, yeah, just message me on LinkedIn. So yeah, I'm very active there. I'm more than happy to answer all of your questions and getting to know as many of you as possible. Well, thanks so much for sharing the journey, the story. It's been wonderful to hear and best of luck as you guys continue to grow. Thank you, Nick. Thank you very much for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Subscription Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network. 